Hey friends, welcome to the Intuitive Mother Podcast, the podcast created to help you awaken, heal, and connect to your truth and your desires as you journey home to you in the midst of motherhood. I'm your host, Angie Schaefer, wife, mom of two teen daughters, intuitive life coach and Reiki healer, creator of The Awoken Woman and spiritual joy seeker. Each week, we'll come together and chat just as if we are on my sofa, side by side, sharing sacred space. It is my greatest hope to help other moms by offering insights, interviews, and straight up truth on all things motherhood and womanhood to guide your journey home with a friendly and healing vibe. Our time is now. Let's go. Hey friends, welcome back to the Intuitive Mother Podcast. I am so glad you are here with me again this week. As I shared last week, this is a special guest episode. The guest that I have invited back is someone who I have been asked by many of you when I was going to have her back. So let me share a little bit about her again, and we will then jump right into the episode. This week's guest is Chandra Lamott. She is a teen empowerment coach, lead facilitator for a transformational organization called CORE, and the director of training and programming for CORE's nonprofit branch for teens. Some of you may remember her from early February when our first episode went live that was on navigating your wounds in motherhood. She brings so much insight and wisdom every time we have a conversation, and I know that so many of you felt the same way. She as we have shared in the past, started her career as a middle school special ed teacher in Oakland. As she started to burn out as the teacher, she realized that her true passion lied in fostering self-acceptance, leadership, and self-esteem in young women. That is when she became a teen empowerment coach and dedicated to supporting teens realize their gifts and navigate the emotional ups and downs of their teenage years. She has combined her love of teaching with her passion for personal development, concentrating on core facilitation, a thriving personal coaching practice, and teen group programs. She has a degree in psychology, education from UC Berkeley, She's been trained in therapy modalities such as somatic experiencing, gestalt therapy, parts work, nonviolent communication, and mindfulness practices. She's completed a 400-hour transformational leadership and advanced facilitation training through CORE, where she enhanced and refined her coaching, counseling, and facilitation skills. She's currently working on the development of new group transformational programs for teens through the CCF designed to support teens in fostering self-compassion, healthy communication tools, and a healthy body image. You can find her at www.chandralamott.com. I cannot wait to share this conversation with you where we dive into how our relationship with our body as the mother 
impacts our daughter's relationship with their own body image. This is near and dear to my heart. Chandra and I chat a little bit about the work she and I have done together in helping my daughter through her own body image struggles and what I have learned and how she has helped guide me as my daughter's coach through this important time in our life. So without anything more, I will just stop and jump right into the episode. Enjoy. All right, friends, welcome back to the Intuitive Mother podcast. This week, we have our very special guest, Chandra Lamott, back, teen empowerment coach. She was here with us a few weeks ago, and I had some of you sharing with me. She was your favorite guest of mine, so Mm -hmm. it made perfect sense to have her back again one more time. Who knows what's to come in the future? But um, I wanted to welcome her back, and we have a very special topic this week about body image and your teen daughter and how our body image as mothers and our past feelings around our body have played into how we mother and how our daughters see themselves. So to get Mm -hmm. started, I will welcome Chandra back and... um, you know, if you want to share with us again, for some first time listeners, a little bit about you, and then we can just jump right in and have the conversation. Yeah, thank you, Angie. I'm so excited to be back. I mean, one, I obviously love talking to you and love this, the you know, the focus of this podcast. And um, I love working with your daughter as well. And so <sighs> I'm just, it's an honor to be here. And For those of you that don't know me, I am a teen empowerment coach. And so I work with teenagers and both, you know, of all genders. And I work with teenagers and supporting them and going through and navigating the ups and downs that just come with being a teenager. And so how do they do, how do they navigate those ups and downs with a sense of healthiness and trusting their own internal wisdom and also a sense of grounding? Uh, so that that way, the things that might, <laughs> I would say, potentially trigger or traumatize them in teenage, um, like teenage years don't have to be that they can be opportunities mm-hmm. for growth, for deepening into themselves and getting to know themselves. And I love this topic this week because, you know, body image is something that comes up a lot, especially when I work with teen girls. Mm-hmm. And it's something that's been really, you know, predominant in my own personal background as someone who has had disordered eating and had to do a lot of healing work around uncovering where that came from, what influences that. And so much so that, you know, uh, that was a big reason why I started to work with teens. And I've led healthy body image workshops. Like, this is a topic I'm really, really passionate about, um, not only because of my own experience, but also. Because I do, I see how much I think this really just seeps into teens and particularly teenage girls, and especially in this social media like day and age with TikTok oh. and Instagram. <laughs> it's you know, it's just it's all heightened, and yeah. that's a really difficult thing to navigate. Yes, yeah. Oh my gosh, you've said it exactly. I know I have often shared with our daughters, and like you mentioned, you meant you work with. Um, one of our daughters, and she is our daughter that has had 
body image issues come up, um, very self-aware of comparing herself to others. And we have talked about TikTok and Instagram and influencers. And honestly, those are probably some of my first concerns where you're looking at these influencers and first off, they're probably eight years older than you and they're bodies are going to look drastically different than yours. <laughs> and we have no idea what they're going through on the back end, or actually we've even talked about the mental health of someone that's showing up in that space and putting themselves out there and how like there's so much unhealthiness around just being out there on social media. But I said, when I was their age, we had like teen bop. And so we had a magazine and I don't even, maybe 17 was also one of the magazines. So you'd have a magazine, you'd flip through it. And the women or the girls in that magazine were, were in my mind models. They were models. They got mm -hmm. that job to be in the magazine and to show up as such. In today's world, they're not models. This is like every girl you go to school with, every girl that's you know, it's one thing to be watching the superstars, but then now these, like the influencers are regular everyday people. So now we're comparing ourselves to regular everyday people to a heightened al alert than just like, oh, the regular everyday girl that I go to school with. Now it's at school, but then we come home and it's on our phone and then they can't get away from it. And, um, you know, we had these conversations and having the conversations didn't mean that we didn't have the ups and downs of what we saw unfold with mm -hmm. our daughter. And, um, you know, I guess to sort of set the foundation, I could share a very brief backstory to that was that she was nine years old when she had her very first interaction at school where a classmate told her she shouldn't be wearing a certain shirt because her belly was too big. And she was, she was nine in third grade. And at that moment, she was the happiest child before that moment. Mm -hmm. So sure of herself, so confident. She has been on a stage since she was five years old. I mean, and that's taking away the dance classes she took when she was two to five years old. Always been on a stage, always been a ham, living it up in the spotlight. Someone says this and just throws her into despair. Like, and now it's suddenly, I can't make friends, you know, very self-conscious of what other people think of her. And there were a lot of ups and downs between nine and 14. And at the age of 12, we realized she was not eating food at lunch at school. She was throwing it in the trash can and all because she was there were so many emotions and there was so much going on with what do my friends think? The girls at her lunch table were saying, I can't eat this because I'm already fat. And in her mind, she was already like, okay, but you're smaller than me. And so you must think this about me. So it just snowballed and the snowball kept getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And I truly believe now that we were really aware and we had had the conversations, but we were sort of naive to what we were up against with um, social media. And also we were 
completely unaware of what impact we were having as her mm. parents on how this was unfolding. And part of my wish for this podcast and all of my work is that I am really transparent and that I show up and say, I sort of messed up here and this is what we did and this is how it happened and this is how we moved through it together because it was uncomfortable to sit when your daughter's 12 years old and we're in the therapy office and the therapist is telling me your daughter has an eating disorder and it's, and my daughter is saying it's because you looked at what I was eating versus what my sister was eating and made comments about that and told me it needed Mm -hmm. to be, you know, I couldn't eat that much. And so everything came crashing down from like the age of 12 to 14 of, oh my gosh, we're navigating this. But that it, you know, and it was part of what led us to have her work with you to just work on having someone safe to talk to that would hear her and see her and see what she was navigating. But you have also been a wealth of knowledge for me to navigate how I'm showing up as a mom and where the needs are not being met. And um, we had a scare a few weeks ago when she was hospitalized after feigning um, during a workout, which was likely induced just from dehydration, but also not fueling correctly. And what I really wanted to pull into the podcast and this conversation was something that you brought up with me and another personal coach had brought up with me after she got out of the hospital when I reached out and said, how can I help her? How can I show up best as her mom, as she navigates this and recognizing this will always be something that she navigates and I can't take it away. I can't um, push it under the rug and say, you're all better now. And I believe for a period of time I tried, which is why the shocking pass out after working out had me completely overwhelmed and like, oh my gosh, I've completely screwed up. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I thought things were better. She's home. It's COVID. But um, what came back to me time and time again through different people, you being one of them, was my personal um, words, my personal feelings towards my body, how body image played a part of my life growing up and how it's still showing up in my life. Mm -hmm. So I thought we could get started. Like I, you know, just having that conversation around where you see wounds trickling because I know like this is a wound now it's coming from like the mother to the daughter and where you see that and how it's like flowing into the daughter's life and the mom's maybe not aware of the words she's using the way she's looking at herself things she's been saying since they're really little and how that plays into the teen daughter's um, body image whether it's a concern or not just how she sees herself Yeah, I'm happy to talk about that. And I think, you know, what I would probably say to a lot of parents out there, and this might be a bit of a harsh pill, but is social media is a huge issue with body image and society is a huge issue around body image. 
but ultimately like what she learns at home gets to be the real foundation for her of how she interprets social media and the world. Mm-hmm. And so, um, that can be a hard thing, you know, and none of us are going to be perfect because we all have as, especially as women and mothers have all grown up in a society where you like where fashion fads changed all the time, where you inherited things from your mother, where women's value has come from their looks and their worth. And, and so I guess what I would just say is I want to give any mother like compassion for the fact that like, even for me, like, right. I have, I have had disordered eating. I've done a lot of work around this. I know for my future daughters, like I will pass down body image issues simply because I have grown up in a society that, and even with my own lineage and all of that, where body image is something that, yeah, it's, it's constantly at the forefront, but what's so great is when you can understand your relationship to your own body, your own body image then it doesn't impact your daughter as much. Uh-huh. <laughs> and so it doesn't. And so, um, and then she can also learn because she is inundated by social media, by society that has Photoshop. Like, right, there's this recent thing uh-huh. where Khloe Kardashian had a photo of her posted that wasn't Photoshopped and it's a bikini photo and she's freaking out and trying to have this completely removed from the internet because it wasn't Photoshopped. When really what it is is, I mean, somewhat right of a real body. I know people still can have work done, but it's like there were folds and rolls and that's okay. But Uh (laughs) the fact that she's trying, you know, so your daughter will still always grow up in a society that has an emphasis on diet culture, that has an emphasis on body image and tying that to her looks and her worth. But what's so great is you can help kind of bolster her up against that based on your own work with yourself and how you talk with her about this. Uh And body image you know, some questions I might give people to think about is like, how do you relate to your own body and your looks? Are your looks something that you pride yourself on? Or are they something that you dislike, that you judge, that you wish there were things about your body that you could change or would look different? Mm-hmm. Um, or, and if you have a good relationship with your body, why is that? Mm-hmm. Is that because society tells you that you have a stereotypical, beautiful body that's thin and fit? Yeah. Or is it because you have learned, you know, to honor your body as it is and love your body, regardless of how it shows up or how it looks? Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I think even, and I know you and I have talked about this a little bit, like you, you are, you are healthy, you have a fast metabolism, like you would be what in some ways society might say is a beautiful body, right? Uh Um, I'm sure you probably have your own things you judge about your body, but, uh, and so, but it would be like, what do you value about your body and why? And where did that messaging come from? For example, maybe it Uh came from society or your mom being like, wow, you're always so thin. You can eat whatever you want. That's amazing. Right. 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 Oh, well, we had that conversation, you and I, about there's, <laughs> there's so much that comes from not just society. I mean, of course, yeah, I was I was looking at 17 and looking at watching Full House and seeing what people were wearing and how they looked at their body and everything. But it truly, at the end of the day, came back to what was I hearing my grandmother say? 
what was I hearing? My mother, my aunt, my, you know, my sister's younger than I, and I still, I think actually I thought, well, I have a good relationship with my body because I knew that she actually struggled with her relationship with her body. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, well, I don't like, I don't have any of that. Like I'm not, not eating or, you know, exercising crazy. I mean, I didn't even exercise like consistently until I was over like almost 40. And part of that was because society and my family always said to me, you don't need to exercise. (laughs) You're naturally thin. And so I just like took that in. And I remember a doctor saying when I was really young, when she's over 30, she'll realize her metabolism will slow down and she'll gain weight. And that that like that was said by a doctor and I was probably mm-hmm. under 10. Like I can remember mm-hmm. being quite young yet. And so I just always thought um, like my biggest issues with my body were more specific to like how I looked in a bikini and, you know, looking back, people did tell me I had chicken legs and <laughs> it, it did last, but I guess because I always looked at like, well, I'm not trying to lose weight and I'm eating what I want and I don't, exercise a lot, I have a good relationship with my body. And when you and I were talking after um, our daughter's hospitalization, and when I was talking with another coach, and she posed some of those same questions to me, what is your relationship with your body? I would like the greatest thing you can do for your daughter is to look at your own relationship with your body. And I will be a hundred percent transparent that my immediate response was my relationship is good. Like, I don't know what, I don't know what I would have to change. I run when I want, I walk when I want, I lift when I want, I eat what I want. Like it's, it's good. And as the universe would have it the next week, something dropped like in my life that I was like, Oh, Oh, (laughs) thank you universe (laughs) for reminding me. I do not have a good relationship with my body, but it, the more I sat with that and I took a lot of time and journaled about it and really leaned into where does this come from? I suddenly could remember every grown woman in my family having a magnet on the refrigerator that said Mm -hmm. their name comma, stick to your diet, like Mm -hmm. plastered right there when they would go to eat. And they would also like certain times a year, they wouldn't eat as much or they would neglect nourishing their body well to eat more Christmas cookies or like not eat as much maybe at breakfast because then I can eat lunch. And I was like, wow, all of that played into me and then started to play into things I was saying about my own body or that even maybe my husband said about not about my body but about his body and his eating habits or you know even I know our daughter remembers one side of the family eating a lot of junk food and the other side of the family that of my husband and I eating all healthy and being like obsessive about you have to eat every piece of spinach before you can have dessert and her hating spinach and being like, I don't want that spinach, <laughs> but I want that dessert. So now I'm like forcing myself to eat spinach and it's completely getting 
all of us, like intuitive eating, I don't think was anything I would have heard of when I was younger, but it's now I see that. And I'm like, that completely disrupts like any bit of using your own intuition yourself as to what I should eat and how I'm going to nourish myself. But um, yeah, I mean, I think all of your questions are really great questions to sit with. They're questions that I believe, I always like to take this chance that everyone listening to this podcast with the, I would actually venture to say anybody who thinks they have a good relationship with their body, unless they have done the deep dive work, they actually don't that that's false because somewhere there's something that you still hear your grandmother, your aunt, yourself, or society saying to you, and you just don't even realize it's still stuck inside and that it's going to trickle into your mothering and how you show up as a mom um, every day every day that you fill their plate or you eat, or, I mean, let's even say like, you know, as your kids are little and you force them to finish everything on their plate, like that, that would be a conversation, I think, because parents always, I I was raised where you ate everything on your plate. And um, yeah, Yeah. I just think it's such good conversation and um, questions to lean into. Do you see in, your work, I mean, I would venture to think that a lot of moms are unaware that they're carrying this with them from their childhood. And when that happens, do like, how do you, do you see that playing out then in the relationship between the mom and daughter or how the daughter Mm -hmm. just feels about herself? Like, is there any resistance. I mean, I can be honest with my daughter and I, it became very clear that there was some probably pent up frustration and anger at stuff I was saying because I was walking around unconscious of what was really deep inside of me. Yeah, I do see it play out because it becomes this, um, I think there's two ways I'll speak to it that come to mind, which is one, this this frustration or resentment that can come up where it's like, there's all this emphasis that she develops a healthy relationship with her body, but are you doing the same? Mm -hmm. And, and she needs support in that too. So, you know, what we talked about is like, what are the comments that are going on at home? And, you know, these can be even as innocuous as like, wow, I didn't eat healthy today. So I have to make sure I have a salad tonight. Mm -hmm. Like that is an example or something I might've said, um, you know, or, Cause then it says, okay, like, again, I remember it's like, cause then your daughter might look at, okay, well, what have I eaten today? Is this okay. good or is this bad or is this unhealthy? Does that make me good or bad or my eating choice is unhealthy? And if I, right. if I'm okay with what I ate, but you're not, what does that mean about me? Right. Uh-huh. Um, and this is similarly, this is, you know, and this, when I say your daughter, I mean, like, this could be anyone's daughter right, that would right. think that yeah. and question this. and. So it's these things can come off very small even. And I think that it, that's what I would say is like so much of our relationships to our body and, and can be a little insidious where there's, I would just maybe ask questions of like, where do I feel guilt around my eating or my body? Where do I feel judgment around my eating or my body? Where do I feel guilt or judgment around other people's eating or their bodies or their relationships Uh to their bodies? Um, Where do I feel like I honor and cherish my body and trust my body. 
Mm-hmm. Um, where do I feel acceptance with my looks or my body and ease? And I think these are all good questions to dive into, but yes. So to go back to your question, I would say there can be resentment that builds and frustration because I mean, our teens are like little truth radars. I feel like where they're like, beep, beep, beep. They're like oh, something's not right here. And yeah. so they can get frustrated with that or not feel seen or understood or like in partnership with you and healing. So an example would be even that resentment can build up. And I've seen this with like other clients where the mom's like, you need to get off social media because this is bad for you. But then what does the mom watch on TV? What magazines does she read? Who does she follow? How does she talk about her body Uh or what she eats? So if she's not doing work around that, it feels a little unfair for you to say, you need to get off social media completely because this is bad for you. (laughs) Um, And I would say the other thing is actually, it creates a lot of sadness for the daughter too. Because when she sees her mother not accepting or loving her body, you know, if you think about it, think about like a child coming into the world that just idolizes her mother, who's like, wow, this is like, you know, is that you, I'm sure it's like, you look at babies, they look at their moms and they're like, you are beautiful. They're like, oh my God. And when they hear their moms make derogatory comments about their own bodies or around their weight or around their eating, it's like, there's a deep sadness that can arise of like, I want you to love yourself. Like I love you, uh-huh. you know, and to honor uh-huh. yourself. So that's what I've seen, you know, is even, I remember one, one of the, I was doing a healthy body image workshop and one of the girls was saying, we, we, I have a checklist. I take the girls through and I asked them, you know, has anyone ever made comments about their own weight in front of you from your family? Has anyone made comments about other people's weight in front of you and your family? Has anyone made comments about your weight in your family? To go through this list of things that can, you know, generate body image issues. And she was saying, you know, overall, my mom speaks really um, kindly about my body. But what's so hard is it's because she's admiring things about me that she hates about her body. And so it's, that's hard for them then where it's like, you're saying, oh, you have such a flat tummy or such long legs coming from a place of a dislike of the mother's own body Uh of like, I wish I had this. Uh So then the daughter is kind of like, well, but what's wrong with your legs or your stomach? Uh Right. And so even though you're acknowledging her, um, it's when it's coming from a place of not liking yourself or honoring or cherishing your own body. Like she feels that too. And that doesn't feel good either. Uh And so, yeah. Yeah. Oh my, yeah. Yeah. That brings up really good point because I mean, I know myself and I really think so much of this comes back to how unconsciously we just go through the movements because it's what's been modeled for us for years. Our mothers have always picked apart their bodies. And gosh, like I I do remember when my daughter was even a little younger and she didn't like something about her body, probably from that comment at school was part of the conversation. And I found our older daughter sharing with her like pictures of Marilyn Monroe or like this image of what we should look like is not how it always was. Like women were once felt to be beautiful, looked at beautiful with curves, with what 
you know, whatever. Unfortunately, there was still a focus on their bodies. It was still like, <laughs> which infuriates me as like yeah. a woman and a mother. It was still such a focus on bodies, but the focus wasn't so like you have to be so tiny to fit into what society wants you to be. But um, it, it's just, we unconsciously were going through like, okay, yeah, I, you know, I, I, I said many of those comments, or I think like one I used to say is like, well, I like when I work out because then I wouldn't necessarily, if I recall correctly, say something about my body, but that like, I felt stronger or the muscles. So, and then I think in my warped mind, like focusing on the strength or my muscles was actually a positive. But the next thing I knew she was like wanting to box and go crazy. And it was like this infatuation with like getting muscles or mm -hmm. so just everything we say unconsciously, if we are not aware that this is something like they're listening to everything. So there is that sadness that they don't want us to not love ourselves. When you said that I had a little ping on my heart because I can remember a time where one of them said to me, like, you look beautiful when you're like getting dressed up to go out. And in my head, I'm not. So mm. I was like, you know, you just sort of like brushed it off instead of receiving that love and compliment from your daughter who sees you like that. And then no wonder when the tides flip and you say to them, you look beautiful, they brush it off and it's yeah. not at all received deep inside. They just don't believe it at all. They don't, they're looking at the standards of what everybody else look like and they're comparing themselves to what everyone else looks like. So I could, you know, I felt a little heart pain and I can see those questions. And I imagine the girls in your body image workshop were probably checking like every box because what I believe is that it's just so much more prevalent than what you're really thinking. And that maybe we could talk a little bit about like there's body image issues and then there's disordered eating and then there's yeah. eating disorders. And that really was something that I had to learn to understand because to me it was like, body image issue was, okay, she doesn't like her body. Mm -hmm. or like, we don't like how we look. And I thought it was that and disorder and um, eating disorders. Like mm -hmm. I didn't really know about what was in that zone of disordered eating. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm sure all those girls in your workshop are checking every box because it's just so prevalent that we fit into one of those categories as women oh, yeah. in general. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, I know because of your experience and working with girls, you probably are more aware of where those three things like fall into how, or the three terms I should say, fall into, yeah. you know, how we, how we talk about ourselves, how things unfold. Yeah. I, so body image issues, I would just say, or an unhealthy body image would be where you probably feel feelings of judgment, guilt, or um, even an immense amount of like pride um, on the way that your body appears or looks or how you look. And so it's always dependent on what your body looks like rather than your relationship to your body. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's what I focus on is rather than the focus on what do I look like? Um, and of course you can come to love your body and it's multiple um, characteristics, fastest looks, all of that. But it's also like, do you trust your body? Do you listen to your body? Like with that intuitive eating, do you listen to it? 
do you honor your body with nourishing foods and nourishing movement and nourishing thoughts? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do you, um, so if you are not doing those things and generally it's like, we have some form of unhealthy body image. And again, growing up in society, I don't know anyone that has escaped that as a woman, like I still have it. And this is, this is though the lifelong work of like, okay, you know, I've, I've given this example of, um, you know, I'm pregnant right now. And when my doctor immediately made a comment about that, I was gaining too much weight. I like immediately felt like this freak out, this clenching this, Oh God, is something bad or wrong with me? I was like, Oh, okay. So I can lovingly and compassionately look at that and be like, well, what makes me think that that's bad or wrong? Is there actually something medically that could be an issue with this? Or is this like, what if I chose to continue to listen to my body, nourish my body, like, you know, and trust my body. Mm -hmm. And that includes listening to its ebbs and flows, its cravings and what ways am I not? But like, I had this clenching of like, oh, that's bad or that's wrong. I don't want to put on weight. And I was like, oh, okay. So there's still some of that thinking. It It will come up. Okay. Mm And so that's more a body image. And it's also, what do you see when you look in the mirror? If you look in the mirror and you're generally judging what you see or even neutral or numb, like, uh, um, or, and I mean, not that and body neutrality is actually a big movement that's happening these days because a lot of people are like, well, if I can't love my body, like what if I was neutral towards my body, which is a beautiful thing too, because there's something about loving your body can turn into this intense prideful thing. And, and again, I would just always check is this, um, is this healthy or not? Like loving your body is different than the pride that comes from approval you get from others around how your body looks. Uh So for example, growing up in Orange County, um, a lot of people probably would say that they loved their bodies, but how are you treating your body? What are you doing to your body? Um, uh-huh. Does all of your pride stem and worth sense of worth come from other people approving of a particular way you look? Uh-huh. Like that's different than love, right? Right, um, right. And so, yeah, so that was what I would say around body image is what do you think when you look in the mirror? What is your relationship with food, with weight? Um, and then disordered eating is where you start to eat uh, to either restrict your eating, binge eating. Um, it's some sort of eating that like, for me, it was restricting my eating, not to the place of having an eating disorder, like anorexia or bulimia or anything like that. But I was still constantly thinking of, you know, what I was eating, if this was too much or not, like that was clearly disordered eating with the amount to which I thought about what I was putting in my body. If it was too much, the amount that then if I had too much food or what I judged as too much food, I was like, I need to eat less Uh and would restrict Uh or starve myself in some way. And disordered eating generally, um, there's still this for both disordered eating and eating disorders. I believe this, but, um, there's still some sort of fear that you will gain weight, uh-huh. right? Uh-huh. There's fear that weight will get put on and that's why you engage in this sort of eating. It can right. start off as wanting to lose weight, but again, disordered eating is more so actually for, and for a lot of eating disorders, most people continue with them because they're afraid of putting weight back on uh-huh. versus um, it can. Yeah. So, and it's, it just would depend, I think, with eating disorders versus disordered eating is what's the extent to which you engage in these behaviors and how often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
That was all really, really good. And like I said, that was stuff I did not know the difference between disordered eating and eating disorders. And when I recognized, and honestly, I would say some therapists have not even embraced the difference in that. And, mm. and actually the, the negative impact of labeling a, a younger, well, a, anyone, but carrying that label with you. Whereas, you know, when our daughter was 12 and someone said, well, she definitely has an eating disorder. But then at 12, you can't even find practitioners that want to work with her. Clinics are not mm -hmm. even open to that. And now that I've done more research about disordered eating, I would venture to say that's where her struggle was lying at that time. She was, okay, yeah, she was throwing food out, but that was because she was restricting. She was, but she wasn't restricting to the point of anorexia or yeah. anything like that. So she was restricting because she wanted to watch her weight because she wanted to look a certain way because people made comments, whether it be me, my family, my husband's family, her older sister, or her classmates were making yes. comments about their body or her body. And it all just snowballed in her mind. So I think that was really good to go over that body image issue because I, like you believe, okay, every one of us has had in some form a body image issue or concern, especially as a woman growing up. I mean, I grew up in the 80s and 90s. We had body image issues back then. Um, you know, I can remember seeing like on even like, I'm thinking like wonder years and they like the one brother was like gaga over women of a certain shape. So then, you know, obviously I'm going to look at my own body and be like, well, my body doesn't look like that. So that must be wrong. That must be unattractive. I mean, I can remember saying to even my husband, like, well, I must not be really like attractive in this way because yeah, I'm, I'm thin, but that also, I also am not well endowed in any area to be really honest. And that wasn't how he thought, but that was like society and just the brainwashing of what you had to look like. So I believe all of us have had problems or had to work through some of the body image issues. And then it's, where do we see that? Do we see it feeding through into disordered eating? And yeah. I also feel like as a woman and in talking with all of my girlfriends, I would say that every one of us at some point has restricted our eating, whether it's leading up to our wedding or like, like when we're pregnant and they're saying you're gaining too much and it's like, oh, we better not. Or on the flip, when I was pregnant, the doctor said to me, you're not gaining enough weight. Please eat a bowl of a bowl of ice cream every night. So now like, but then when I, as soon as you have the baby, then it's like, oh, stop that. Oh yeah. So yeah. like now, now it's not okay to have cravings. It's not okay to say like, well, but I'm hungry. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then it can snowball into eating disorders. And I yeah. just feel that we as a society don't even understand those concepts and what happens enough to support our daughters because we're not even realizing that we walked through all those issues ourselves. We just didn't have terms to put to that, like to name them. Um, and what I really loved that you said, and I think is interesting is like, what is their relationship to their body? And 
what came through for me, as you were saying that was the thought of unconditional love. And Mm -hmm. this has played a part in my past week. I read, uh, I'm reading the book, How to Do the Work by Dr. Nicole LaPera. And in there, you know, she goes through one of the archetypes and like the child doesn't have unconditional love. And Mm -hmm. I realized like how big that really is and how we believe that even if we came from a perfect family, that we were given unconditional love. And while that is true, what I started to really feel into was that, but if we are told you have to look a certain way to go to school, you are more loved when you are a certain size or mm-hmm. even like I said to my husband and I was laughing about this. I have a, I had a very dear grandmother. She was clearly one of my best friends of my whole life. She passed away um, five and a half years ago. She was still coloring her hair and making sure she looked okay into her 80s. So I said, like, she unconditionally, she loved me dearly. We had a wonderful relationship. I said, but interestingly, as I'm diving into this thought of unconditional love and how it plays into mothering and how it plays into loving my body and teaching, modeling for my daughters to love their bodies and so on and so forth. There really is an unconditional love. If somebody is making us feel or somebody saying something, they don't even unconditionally love their own body, let alone, okay, now you need to always look X, Y, Z way in order for you to be good enough to go to church or to school or to anything. And I thought to myself, oh my gosh, like I remember the girls leaving for school and saying like, you're not wearing that, are you? I remember saying that to my husband, like we're going out on a date. I'm like, are you wearing that? Like, really? And then I thought, oh my gosh, like that trickles down and it plays into the body image and how unconditional love and just that basis of that relationship with ourself and with our mothers and our grandmothers and all of it. Just Mm -hmm. that that term was like such like a mind blowing moment for me of like, people can really, really love you. And it does not necessarily mean that it's been unconditional because unconditional means, and you would like to think that every mother loves their child unconditionally. However, I believe we as moms put many more conditions on our children and it feeds into that relationship then mm-hmm. of not trusting themselves, not loving themselves, not loving their body, you know, all of it. Because we also showed up n- with conditions for ourselves and for them yeah. in, in love. And, you know, I sort of think that went off on a little bit of a tangent. But when you were saying the relationship to their body, it just it I heard it again, like unconditional love for ourselves and for our for them, for our daughters, and no matter they are, like they're beautiful as they are. And we have so much work to do to get to the point of really feeling that and believing it and embodying that they are perfect and beautiful as they are. And maybe even taking the word perfect out of it because nothing is ever perfection, but taking beautiful. And, you know, I think some, is there like not a quote that's something like the one flower doesn't stand next to the other flower and say, you're Mm. prettier than I am, (laughs) but we do. Like we go up to the flowers and compare them and say, well, that one's a pretty flower. I'm 
take that flower instead of this flower. So I don't know, you know, that was just a side thought of mine with um, how we as mothers show up and teach our daughters unconditional love for themselves. Yes, yes, definitely. I think I love, you know, those two inquiries of in what ways do I place conditions on my daughter for love, which again is human. It's what we were modeled with. I just want to like, and I don't think, and again, I guess part of me always wants to take some of that stigma out of it, which is like, we can always work towards like growing, improving, deepening, right? Um, but the idea of associating shame with that then is like, this is just a part of being human. You uh-huh. were given conditional love. Uh-huh. Naturally, you will give condition. You were not present 100% of the time, fully healed with zero wounds. You will give conditional love to your child. And, but there's so much uh-huh. beauty in us doing our work because um, you get to model them for your child of like them doing their work. And they will have also, I don't know. I know this is off a of body image, but I think it's, it's not parents' jobs to create the perfect childhood for their children uh-huh. Uh-huh. because our, they go out into a world that they are going to experience grief, anger, harm, you know, pain. And how do they navigate that? And that is the biggest thing and gift you can uh-huh. give as a parent is how do you navigate those things? How do you navigate your woundings? How do you continue to deepen and you teach your child the same? And it's in that deepening in the pain, the brokenness, even that like, that's where the richness of life comes through. That's where it's like, they get to love even more deeply. And so Uh Uh I think, you know, honestly, looking at, do I ever place conditions on my child for love, whether it's around how they look around school and their grades Uh around how they behave or how they treat other people. Um, And looking at, do I put those same conditions on myself? Or what conditions do I place on myself? Because you might say, for some women, they really do try of like, my daughter is welcome to wear whatever she wants. She is welcome to be her own person. I just want her to view that she is beautiful. But what conditions do you put on yourself? Do Uh you, because she'll see like, well, if my mother doesn't fully accept herself and her body, then what makes me think I can do the same to mine? Uh Even though she tells me Uh that I'm beautiful. Uh Yeah, there's so much in what we're saying and are the actions and how we're living day to day, actually supporting what we say to them in, you know, loving, loving themselves, or I think you're beautiful, but then we rip ourselves apart, obviously, the action isn't there. So then even if they think, okay, well, I am beautiful, when they get older, do they see Do they feel into that? Like, well, now it switches because, you know, mom modeled not loving herself when she was older. Do they even ever really embody that when they're younger? And, and I agree with you. I think it's, um, you could sit and you could carry shame. And I've shared this with you in recent days. Like I could sit and I could carry shame because I'm like, Ooh, yeah, I've definitely placed some conditions and I didn't even realize it. And instead, what I personally love doing is offering it as a reflection to them. I mean, my daughters are older, so it's not, obviously, I wouldn't sit down with my six-year-old and have a really deep conversation about the reflections I'm making of myself and my past and all of that. But, um, you know, when they're teenagers, really opening that doorway to helping them understand and even ourselves understand where 
this pattern came from for us, where we are struggling and what we're learning. And I, you know, had the conversation about the unconditional love, conditional love, and said, you know, I could sit in shame and guilt because it's heavy and hard. And we put a lot of pressure on moms to be perfect and raise the perfect children. And society tells us what that perfection should look like. But I am truly not looking for perfect. I'm looking for them to be happy. I like that's my greatest wish for them is to be happy in their life and to know that something is always going to follow. There's always there's always going to be something that you wish you had done differently or you wish yeah. you had realized it when your children were younger. And the guilt becomes too heavy. And so instead offering compassion, that that was literally the best I could have shown up in that time period. If I had it to do differently now, I'm sure I would be a little bit different of a mom if I had toddlers now or little kids. And I think you see that sometimes when you see moms that had like their first kids when they were younger and then maybe a surprise child down the road. And then it's like, mom's completely more laid back and is just like a little less freaking out about everything. And I think that's just the growth sometimes to show that it shows the growth of where the mom has evolved into and, um, you know, where she's present in life, but no. And if we teach them, if we hold shame on ourselves, then we're modeling to them to hold shame for when they mess up in the future or in the past or whatever, you know, shame just creates the pattern of carrying shame and not loving yourself unconditionally. And so I know we see so many patterns and just holding shame is one of those carrying that shame with you from year to or generation to generation with our daughters. Yeah. Yeah. My goodness. It's a, it's the best work. I, I, I mean, I just feel like I always say to my friends, like, it seems daunting. It seems like, oh my gosh, like, what, what are you doing? Like, and you're talking to them about this stuff. And I'm like, but it opens up so much healing for, for you, for your daughter, for your daughter's daughters and sons down the road. And even for you to understand yourself, like it's, it's work, but it's like the best work in the world. And people have always said like motherhood is the best work in the world. You'll never have a job that's better than motherhood. It's hard work. It's supposed to be. (laughs) And, but it's like beautiful, hard work where you get to see before your eyes that growth of even your relationship with your daughter as you, um, you know, heal yourself and heal those wounds and then watch them heal whatever they're going through. So I just, I think so much of it ties into the unconditional love, but then pulls in our body because bodies are such a big thing Mm -hmm. that women have in society been looking at for generations. And so um, I definitely would love to hear just for our listeners, if you had an invitation of where 
you've shared so many great questions. So I don't even know if you're, you're like, oh my gosh, I've already, I've already said this, but like starting the conversation about their bodies or your body with your daughter, if you think, you know, where you feel would be a great place to start or how to start that conversation. Mm. Because I do think it's one that is scary, especially Mm. if we think there's something going on that we're unsure of. And we want to pry. I mean, I was doing that. I was like going through trash for granola bar wrappers um, (laughs) five years ago. But any words of advice, of invitations to how to lean into that conversation with Mm -hmm. your daughter? Yeah, I think it's, and obviously I'll speak to like teen moms because that's our moms, teens, because that's more of my specialty. developmentally I think it there's two options in how you could approach it one is first start off by doing your work and by sharing what are you noticing as you do this work um even a small example is when you watch a tv show if you notice thoughts around um how the main woman looks what is she wearing why is she wearing this or judgments that come up in your mind you could say wow you know I just watched this tv show and Maybe you watched it together, a movie, and I noticed that this was what I loved about this or X, Y, Z. But also when I looked at, you know, I'll give an example. Um, let's say you watch the movie Wonder Woman. That is an amazing new film. I went and saw in the theaters. I cried a little bit when I was watching all these little girls <laughs> seeing the strong, powerful, like female superhero. And, and like Gal Gadot definitely epitomizes a particular beauty standard, right? Mm-hmm. And so when I watch, it's like, Oh, I noticed I compared myself to how she looked. Part of me wishes I looked a certain way. And so I might, for example, end like if we were to watch that film together, be like, wow, so what do we love about this movie? And then afterwards say, you know, and what I also noticed is that um, when I was watching, when I was looking at Gal Gadot, like part of me judged my looks and I'm and wished I, you know, maybe I looked a certain way or there were things I propped up that I thought were really beautiful. And I noticed those are things that I judged about myself. And, you know, that's not the relationship I want with my body. Mm -hmm. I want to really learn how to love my body and honor my body. Um, And so I'm curious, like, does anything like that come up for you when you watch movies or TV shows? Is there anyone, or when you go on social media, is there anyone you compare yourself to? Um, and you can open it up by sharing your insights. Cause what I always love about, you know, you, what you do, Angie, as a mother is when you can share your own insights as an adult woman who has, um, more self-reflection tools, like your brain is more fully developed. <laughs> often teens get to then consciously say, well, do I do that too? Cause they may not know that they're doing it. A mm-hmm. lot of them do, but you give them examples. And so she might say, yeah, you know. I noticed I, yeah, like I was, I was doing the same thing or she might say, no, I don't think I was comparing and be like, okay, great. Um, and then you can keep engaging in the conversation. I think the more that you share about your own journey, um, and even you could say, even for example, like I would definitely say for my invitation for any parent would be to look at what you say to your child about body, about your body, about others' bodies, images, and about like food. And so an example would say, um, like recently, I think um, someone had shared like, oh, if you eat a piece of cake, what do you say afterwards? You're like, wow, 
that was really good cake, but I'm going to have to eat healthy tomorrow. You might just check yourself and say, wow, that cake tasted really good. And my body was really craving a piece of cake. And that felt so good to give to myself. And then the next day you might say, Hey, I notice I'm really wanting to nourish my body in a different way today. I'm noticing like a salad would feel really nourishing to my body. So that's what I'm going to mm. eat because you're modeling, right? Listening to your body and its cues. But then later you could always say to her, like, I noticed after I ate this cake, I felt some guilt, but then I checked myself because I was like, why am I feeling guilt over this? I was listening to my body. Mm. Um, it's okay for me to eat cake. And then I'm, you could share the ways you're checking your own thoughts or whatever else. And you might say like, does any of this thinking come up for you? Um, Cause again, even just engaging in those discussions, then they can be open about that and share more of that. And so mm-hmm. that would be my invitation and how to talk about it is share what you're learning in this journey, in this process, open it up to them to share. And, mm-hmm. or even like you go to a family function, let's say grandma makes comments about her weight or someone else's weight. You could mm-hmm. say afterwards, be like, wow, I noticed grandma said that. That didn't, part of me when I heard that, I thought, oh, she's like telling me I lost weight. That's so great. Like I noticed a particular pride that came up, but then part of me questioned that and said, why does it matter if I've lost weight? Uh (laughs) You know, and you could say, do you ever notice grandma says things that bother you or like that bring up things for you? Uh And you can just ask them those questions. Cause I think so much of this happens at an unconscious level for almost all of us. And especially for our daughters that bringing it into light and into consciousness is what's so important. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I'll say is like how I worked with your daughter a bit is saying these thoughts will come up. Like that's, you were raised in a society of diet culture, of all the social media of, you know, lineage healing around body image, like those thoughts that judge yourself are going to come up. And so it's not so much, how do I get rid of them completely, but rather how do I notice when they come up and rewire my brain towards something else? How do I question these thoughts versus just believe them? You know, the example is even with all my healing work, when my doctor said, you gain, you're gaining too much weight, you should lay off the sugar. <laughs> like I had, I had to notice all my thought responses to that and be like, okay, uh-huh. wow, this is what came up. Ooh, this is where that feels tender. Oh, this is where my self-judgment comes in or wanting to restrict. This is where uh-huh. my fear comes in and then say, okay, how do I actually choose then to tackle this situation? Uh for me, it was, I want to make sure I'm medically like doing healthy things. So of course, if there's, and she didn't say that there was a big concern. So um, I'm going to choose to keep honoring my body and trusting my body and trusting and listening to how I can nourish my body. Uh And I'm going to keep an eye on, do I move towards restriction? And if I do, then I know I'm moving into an unhealthy way of operating. And so Uh I just bring it into consciousness, meet it with compassion and move forward, you know, and I think that that's why bringing up these conversations in that way is so helpful of just talking with your daughter about it. Like, and you can use social media or actually a lot of teens don't want to talk to you about what they see on social media because they think (laughs) you're going to tell them to get off of it. Um, But you could do it after you watch shows, movies, um, when you drive and see advertisements after you hang Uh out with family the things that you are learning as you go through this journey, you can bring up all of that to them. And my guess is she'll learn something in that process, unless she's incredibly self-aware. And she'll start to question those things for herself. Uh And then you can engage Uh in discussions about it. Uh Those are very long answer. No, no, I think that was great. And it's like the perfect 
ending to pull all of it together because it is so much about how we show up and offer the opportunity for that reflection with them. And I feel my addition to that is to be open on the, on not the receiving end, but on the other end, be open to exploring. And when they say something, you know, especially if it's, how does it, you know, if it ties into your family or the family gatherings or whatnot to sit with how that felt for ourselves. But also I, I remember what came up when you and my husband and I met um, on Zoom was these were things our daughter noticed and brought up to you. And I mean, he was like completely like, well, no, I, what? <laughs> Like, but to come with like an open heart of, okay, like, and even if they notice it and I don't think that actually happened, the trust in them to, and teaching them to self-trust themselves Mm -hmm. lies in being open to hear what has, what's being said and being able to receive that and understand and offer yourself the compassion that if they heard that and you said it, it came from somewhere. So even where did you learn that? Where did it play into your life? How does, how are you still running that through your mind? If you end up saying it to your teenage daughter in who, where did you learn that? And how is it impacting your daily life instead of feeling defensive? Like, no, I didn't say that. I would never say that. And I feel Oftentimes, that's where moms and teenage daughters start to butt heads is when something is brought to light for the mom, for the family, it's it's met immediately with resistance and defensiveness of no, you know, that's not what's going on. I didn't say that. That's not what I meant. And I was probably mm-hmm. even one of those moms that said, that's not what I meant. Like, I mean, we talked about this. Our oldest daughter was a competitive swimmer. She was being told to eat 3000 calories a day. So when I limited what our youngest daughter and myself and my husband ate in comparison, my thought wasn't, you need to lose weight. My thought was, well, we're not swimming three, three hours a day. We're not being told to eat 3000 calories. Why would we do that? But instead of being defensive, when that comes back to allow that opportunity for the discussion, because if we become defensive, it, the, the conversation will never happen again. Yeah. It's that moment of then, okay, well, mom's not listening. She doesn't want to hear this. So she either a believes it, she, you know, and doesn't want to help me or anything. You know, she doesn't see it that way. She's not listening. She's not seeing or hearing me point blank. And then it just becomes a repetitive cycle. So I think it's so true. Everything you said is such great insight. And then as the mom sitting here with teenage daughters saying, then just sit there and listen. And when they walk away, go to your bedroom and cry (laughs) for a few minutes. Like That's okay. Sometimes it's go upstairs and have a cry, put on your running shoes, go for a run, play music really loud somewhere, go for a drive. I don't know. Whatever it works for every mom is different. I have multiple ways I feel 
after those conversations and multiple ways I need to like nurture myself in that moment because it is, it, it's hard to hear. But then if I allow myself that space and the reflection, what I have noticed is then the relationship between my daughter and I and my other daughter and I have only blossomed because I have allowed the conversations to be hard. And even what people would say would typically be like a hit on how I'm doing as a mom, but just opening up for like, okay, well, we all make mistakes. And so let me hear this and then we'll move forward. So um, I think that pulls it all together is everything that you said. And then just be willing to be willing to listen and see and hear. And I know we talk about that with our daughter, um, your work with our daughter, this book, like all the books, what it comes down to is that every child wants to be seen and heard. And if we're not doing that, that's where these wound patterns just keep going forward from whatever place that they're showing up in their life. So anyway, well, I thank you so much for coming back on here this week and um, just offering so much of your insight and all of your work with teens and teen girls and how you have navigated it yourself and being really open and vulnerable and sharing. And of course, as always, we are always so grateful for you. And I know my listeners love hearing your insight as well. So thank you again for coming by. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me and yes, engaging in such amazing discussion. And um, I'll also offer up if anyone has questions based on things I've shared or anything like that, you're always welcome to contact me email me. I'm happy to elaborate, um, based on what I said too. So, cause I know so much of this has layers and yes. it can be, yeah, there, I'm still so uncovering much. a lot of the layers for myself. <laughs> and we're always <laughs> uncovering. I had just said to our daughters yeah. the other day, like we are an onion and we're always peeling back more layers, more layers. And that's, that's what life is supposed to be. It makes it interesting and deep and loving and all of that. What is your website? And I'll put it in the show notes, but just in case somebody listening just wants to jot it down, best place to find you. Yeah. So it would be Chandra dot or Chandra Lamont.com. Um, and my email is Chandra dot Lamont at gmail.com. So um, always welcome to contact me. Yeah. uh, You're welcome. And I will, like I said, include that in the show notes. So everybody will be able to see it and just click on it there and um, find you. Great. Well, thank you so much and um, have a great day. Thank you, Angie. You're welcome. Hey friends. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode of the Intuitive Mother Podcast. I am so deeply grateful for each and every one of you that has listened in, whether it's your 50th episode or first episode you taking the time to share this sacred space with me means the world to me and warms my heart i would love to hear from each and every one of you about what interviews you loved and what you want to hear more of drop me a line at angie at angie on my website you can also learn more about the programs that i'm offering and the coaching and healings that are also available for each one of you as you journey home to your sacred self. I am thankful for you spending your time with me and I cannot wait 
to share another episode with you next week. Have a great day.